Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. So let's look at this, Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which he once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Dead man walking refers to prisoners who are on death row, who are awaiting execution. Those individuals in that circumstance are people who are still alive physically, but in a sense, they are already dead. Death surrounds them as they wait their sentence. And so while they are still alive physically, in fact, very soon they know that they will lose their lives. In these verses, the Bible says that every unsaved sinner, every person without Jesus Christ, is a dead man or a dead woman walking. They may be alive physically. The lost person may be alive physically. But the Bible says that they are dead spiritually. And so tonight we're going to look at what the Bible says about the unsaved. There was a time when we were unsaved. There was a time that we were not Christians. And what this Bible, what these verses describe as the spiritual condition of the unsaved was true of us. And I, I don't know, you know, we live in a different age, especially in America. Now, I don't think we can judge Christianity around the world by American Christianity. There are some places in this world, in Africa and Southeast Asia, South America, where great revivals are going on. People are being saved. And, and the Bible is being preached and being taught as it should be. But some, I don't know, American Christianity is just different. It's different from the time I started as a minister. I think it's the influence maybe of television, social media. You know, now you got a lot of pulpits where the guys want to be stars and they want to be hip and they want to be relevant you know, and, and they don't want to preach messages that they deem might be offensive to the hearers. 
And so when they come to certain particular passages of the Bible where they think that the, the congregation might, some in the congregation might be uncomfortable with or might be offended with, they kind of steer clear of those things. They want to stay in safe territory. They want to stay on the safe ground. Well, I want to tell you, you know, sometimes when you preach the Bible, you've got to preach some tough stuff. And if you don't preach it, it's wrong. If you pick and choose what you're going to present from the Bible and just stay in those safe areas where you won't offend people or make people uncomfortable, that's just the wrong thing. We are told to preach and, and to present the whole counsel of God, all of the Bible. And, and you know, now that's the way I was trained. And there's a lot of pressure in American Christianity for preachers not to do that. We don't want to offend people. We don't, want to, we don't think we can draw people if we preach on subjects like hell and, and all of those things. But you know, the greatest preacher of hellfire and damnation who ever lived was the Lord Jesus himself. In fact, Jesus talked more about hell than he did about heaven. And, and these things are in the Bible and we need to preach them and we need to present them. And we need to proclaim them. And that used to be the case. Man, when I was growing up in Antioch Baptist Church, little old whippersnapper in the Pateville community, and I went to Antioch Baptist Church. I'd go to that church sometimes, and some of those preachers, they'd start preaching on judgment and wrath and hell, and they'd scare it out of me, you know? I'd be in the back of that church, and I mean, they made it look sound vivid and strong and... You know, we, we've just, we've gotten away from that. We've, we've just gotten away from that. We feel like we have to package the message of Christianity, you know, to meet this present generation. And I think we just need to preach the Bible and present the Bible. That's why I do a lot of series preaching. You know, I go from this verse to the next verse. It's whatever is next. Whatever is next, that's what you present. That's what you preach. And it's not a popular thing in, in modern Christianity and in the world today. But I want to tell you something. Without, you know, since hell has been taken out of the pulpits, you find hell on the streets now. You know, we just we just need to present the truth. And tonight we're just going to present the truth of what the Bible says about a person who is lost. Now, I have lost people in my family and I love them. And I pray for them on a daily basis to be saved. I call their names before the Lord. I ask the Lord to intervene in their life. I ask the Lord to help them to see and understand their lostness, to understand the gospel. I ask the Lord to move in their life that they might be saved. I have lost people that I pray for by name on a daily basis. My family... Some of my friends, my acquaintances, because I know they're lost. You know, not everybody who dies goes to heaven. Not everybody who dies goes to heaven. I don't care what the preacher says in the funeral service. <laughs> not everybody who dies goes to heaven. There are people who are lost. And before there's good news, there has to be the bad news presented, right? 
Good news is not good news if there's no bad news. If there's no bad news, then good news is just news, right? That which makes the good news good news is the fact that there's bad news. <laughs> so if there's no bad news, then good news is just news. Nothing good about it. And so Paul in this passage, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, just as much a part of the Word of God as any other part of the Bible, tells us the frightening truth about those people who are unsaved. And I think in our churches we need to begin again to pray for unsaved people. You need to pray for unsaved people in your family. you got some lost rascals in your family. Brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, moms, dads. You have lost people in your family. You need to pray for them. We as a church need to pray for the lost of our community. You know, they don't want to hear that they're lost. And they don't want to hear that they're unsaved. And they don't want to hear that they're going to hell. They don't want to hear that. But that's the truth. And they need to hear that. Now, when you, you present on hell, you don't relish it. I mean... I'm sure when Jesus talked on hell, he didn't do it with glee in his voice as if he was enjoying delivering that truth. I'm sure there was a heavy heart and a broken heart. You don't, you don't present it in a joking way. You don't present it you know, in a gleeful way. Ha, 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 you're, I'm going to heaven, but you're not. No, you don't do that. But you got to tell the truth. People need the Lord. And we need to pray for our lost friends and our lost neighbors. We need to pray that when somebody comes into our church, that they sense the presence of Almighty God and they sense that God will be speaking to them that day that they need the Lord. And so what does Paul say in this passage about unsaved people? Now, a lost person can be a good person morally, can be an honest person, can be a good citizen, can pay their taxes, can be a good neighbor. A lost person, that can be true of a lost person, but if they've never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, they're lost. They're not saved. They haven't been born again. You're not saved by your morality. You're not saved by your character. You're not saved by your ethics. There are a lot of good lost people. <laughs> there are a lot of religious lost people who are lost. Those are the hardest people in the world to reach. Those who are religious but lost. They've been inoculated a little bit with a little bit of religion. And that makes it so hard to reach them. The unsaved church member is the hardest person to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can reach a drunk on the street quicker than you can reach an unsaved church member or an unsaved church attender. People are lost. They can be good folks. They can be bad folks. They can be murderers. They can be terrorists. They can be politicians. Well, almost all of them are lost, but y'all didn't hear me say that. Um, I mean, so... Three frightening things about the unsaved. First of all, Paul says that the unsaved person is spiritually dead. Verse 1, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now the idea of deadness 
suggest alienation from God. God is the source of life. God is the source of physical life. God is the source of spiritual life. God is the source of eternal life. God is the source of life. If you are dead spiritually, that means that you are alienated from God who is the source of life. And so the idea of deadness suggests alienation from God. And it also suggests the helplessness and the hopelessness of a lost sinner to save themselves. What can a dead person do? Nothing. You can talk to a dead person all day long. They're not going to answer you. You can kick them all day long and tell them to get up. They're not going to do it. They're hopeless. They're helpless. And so a a spiritually dead person is alienated from God. And they are absolutely helpless and hopeless to save themselves. Now, Paul says that lost sinners are spiritually dead because of their trespasses and sins. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Why were we spiritually dead? Because of our trespasses and our sins. The word trespass means to step over a line. My son just put up a no trespassing sign in our yard. I guess he thinks maybe somebody's going to try to trespass. So that sign marks a line. If you step over that line, you have entered into an area where you shouldn't enter into if you're a stranger or somebody who wants to do some kind of something that's not right and good. So the word trespass means to step over a line. In the moral and spiritual guidelines of the Bible, God has drawn a line. God has drawn a boundary in the Bible for how human beings are to behave and live. This is God's creation. God made all that there is. God's in charge. This is his world. We didn't make ourselves. He made us. This is God's world. And we are to obey God in how we live and behave and conduct ourselves. And so in the Bible, God has... See, when God created everything, he embedded in creation certain moral and spiritual guidelines that spiritually govern creation. If you live within those guidelines, you're going to be blessed. But if you go outside of those guidelines and you say, I'm not going to live the way God wants me to live. I'm going to live the way I want to live. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to ignore what God says. I'm going to follow my own path. Then you're going to trespass and go across the boundary that God has laid. And when you go across that boundary, you're going to be in trouble. Within the guidelines of God is safety and blessing. Outside of the guidelines of God is trouble and death. So when a person willfully and deliberately steps across that line, that boundary line that God has established for how we are to live, they have trespassed against God. God in his word says we shall not lie or steal or kill. When a person does these things and other things that God forbids, they have trespassed over the line that God has drawn for human behavior. And the result is spiritual death and alienation from God. How many sins does it take for a lost person to be lost? How many sins does it take 
to be lost. Once you reach the age of accountability, whatever that age might be for you, how many sins do you have to commit before you're lost? Well, the Bible says one. (laughs) That if you offend in one, if you break one of God's laws, according to the book of James, you've broken them all. The laws of God are like links in a chain. You break one link, you've broken them all. When you break one law, you've broken them all. Now, we have trespassed the the laws and the boundaries that God has established, not just one time, but many times in many different ways. We have all done that. Therefore, we were lost. Not only trespasses, but also sin. We We are lost because of our trespasses and our sins. To sin means to miss the mark. God has set a mark. God has set a standard. God has set a target for how every person should live and behave. And the Bible says that every one of us have missed that mark. Every one of us has missed that mark. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark, the standard that God has set. And so why is a lost person lost? Because of their trespasses and their sins. Now, if you want to get into a fight these days, just tell somebody they're a lost sinner. <laughs> I mean, you just, you know, they'll get, they'll have umbrage and I'm just as good as you are. I don't care if you are a preacher. I'm just as good as everybody at your church. And I always, I, I told one person this one time, made them so mad. I had to run. I thought they was going to hit me. I said, yeah, that's true. You might be just as good as we are, but here's the problem. You're just as bad as we are. And if we needed a Savior, you need a Savior too. And so people are lost because of their trespasses and sins. And we've all done that. All have come, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so, you know, your sweet little aunt, that lives in Columbus, that bakes cookies for the neighbors, if that sweet little aunt doesn't know Jesus, if she's hardened her heart against the grace and the goodness of God, she's lost. She needs the Lord. You don't have to be a murderer to be lost or a criminal to be lost or a terrorist to be lost. There are a lot of good people who are lost. Morally good. But they're still lost. It all comes down to Jesus and what a person does with Jesus. A person can be a church member, but as long as they're without Christ, they're dead in their trespasses and sins. A person can be famous. You know, I often wonder what some of these famous people are going to do when they stand before the Lord. And how they use their celebrity to push evil things and ungodly things and immoral things. You know, and how they use their their notoriety to stand up for things that are just so unbiblical. What are they going to say when they stand before the Lord? What am I going to say when I stand before the Lord? Oh, Lord, thank you for Jesus is what I'm going to say. (laughs) Because without him, I'd be lost. And all these jack-legged scientists who believe in this evolution stuff. I hope none of y'all believe in that evolution. Evolution is a wicked thing. It comes from the pits of hell. It's Satan's gospel. There's no validity to it. One of these days, I'll preach on the creation event. 
And the Bible makes it very clear. You can't mix creation and evolution and put it together in the Bible. God made it very clear with the vocabulary and the words that he used in the creation account that that is not possible. Not at all. And these jack-legged scientists, when they stand before the Lord, you know what the Lord's going to tell them? He's going to tell them the same thing he told Job. Where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? person can be famous. I don't care how famous they are. You know, maybe they'll be a first class in hell. I don't know. They can enjoy that. But as long as they reject Christ as their Savior and Lord, they're lost. A person can do good things. You know, just because you're lost doesn't mean you can't do good. Jesus, you know, was talking about, he said, you, you're, you, you, you know, you are good enough to know that you shouldn't give your son a snake when he wants some bread. You're good enough to know that. You're capable of doing something good. Even people who do good things and have high morals, as long as they refuse to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord is dead and trespasses and sins. Now you know why I will never get invited to be on Oprah Winfrey or all of those talk shows. You know, not that I would want to be. So the unsaved person is spiritually dead. That was true of me. Before I came to Christ, I was spiritually dead. I was alive physically, dead spiritually. Second of all, Paul says, and I'm hurrying. Y'all don't think so. When a preacher says he's hurrying, just cut him a break. Okay, just cut him a break. The unsaved person is a slave to sin. Not only is the unsaved person spiritually dead, but an unsaved person is a slave to sin. These verses describe the lost person's enslavement to sin in four ways. First of all, lost people walk in trespasses and sins. In other words, that's the characteristic of their life. The word walk refers to how a person lives, their walk of life, their manner of living, their lifestyle. The unsaved person, his life, her life is characterized by by living a life characterized by sinful behavior and sinful conduct. Second of all, lost people conform to the standards of the world, walk according to the course of this world. Lost people may give lip service to God, but they live according to the values and the standards of the world and not God's. They are swept up in and they are consumed by the pursuit of the world's pleasures and wants. See, we we got, oh man, oh man. You know, we we got denominations these days and I'm not, I don't try not to criticize churches, denominations or whatever. Southern Baptist Convention ain't so hot at the moment. But, I mean, have forsaken the Bible and adopted the, the, the values of the world, the beliefs of the world. And see, here's what happens. You say, well, how can a church believe that? I've been asked that. You know, a church, this church believes in so-and-so and so-and-so, clearly unbiblical. And they well, how can a church believe that? Well, here's, here's how they can believe that. When you reject the Word of God as the inspired, infallible, and errant Word of God, you're open to believing anything. And here's what they say. 
All of that stuff in the Bible that I don't agree with was not written by God. It was written by man. That was man's opinion. All the Bible's not inspired. The only parts that are inspired are the parts that I like. The rest of it is just man's opinion. And so once you, once you, you, you say, you know, I don't believe the Bible. Listen, every word of this Bible is the inspired, infallible, and inerrant word of God. And it is truly reflective of who God is and what he wants and how he wants us to live. Every single word of it. Every word. And so when you as a church or a denomination, when you no longer believe that the Bible is the inspired and infallible and inerrant word of God, then you're open to believing anything and accepting anything. And what you want is the, the favor of the world and you want to be accepted by the world. If the world will accept any Christianity as long as it's not biblical. You, you can believe that. The world will accept any kind of Christianity as long as it's not biblical Christianity. Thirdly, Paul says lost people are ruled over by Satan. Living according to Satan's power. 1 John 3 8. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. He who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Lost people think they're free. They think they're living their own life. They think they're living in freedom. When in reality, they are in bondage to Satan and to sin. They're in spiritual bondage. Ruled over by Satan. He who does what is sinful... That's in the present tense. Now, you know, I'm a little technical, but it's in the present tense. What it means is the person who continually does what is sinful in their life gives evidence that they're not Christians, but they are following their spiritual father, the devil. Someone who continually is characterized, habitually characterized by sinful behavior, sinful conduct. That person gives evidence that they've never been born again and that their father, their spiritual father, is the devil. Now, don't get mad when you call somebody a son of the devil. Jesus said that. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. Lost people are ruled over by Satan and they don't know it. <laughs> they don't know it. You know, I, I watch these Jaybirds, you know, from Hollywood and all this kind of stuff. And they shashay around and they think they're so hot and so wonderful, you know, and their music is so great. And, you know, and all these ritzy ditzy actors telling us how to live and how stupid we are and all of this kind of stuff. And they think they're so, you know, wonderful and they're God's gift to creation or whatever. And they think they're so free, but they're, they're ruled by Satan. They couldn't break free if they wanted to. Lost people are ruled over by Satan. Number four, lost people live at the mercy of their immoral lust, perverted passions, and evil desires. That's what Paul says. And so lost people are spiritually dead and they are slaves to sin. And here's, here's the kicker. 
An unsaved person is an object of God's wrath. Ephesians 2, 3. We're by nature children of wrath. Because of their sin and rebellion, unsaved people deserve and they live under the dreadful judgment of God's wrath. You see, most people think, well, I'm going to live my life and when my life is over, if there is a God, I'm going to stand before God and he's going to take the good things that I've done and put it on this side of the scale. He's going to take the bad things that I've done and put it on the other side of the scale. And if the good outweighs the bad, I go to heaven. If the bad outweighs the good, I'll go to that other place. No, that's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible says if you've rejected Christ, you're condemned already. John 3, 18, right in the shadow of John 3, 16. He who believeth not is condemned already. Judgment has already been passed. Condemnation has already been put down. Already they are an object of God's wrath. Now that can change. But the reality is the lost person is one second, one heartbeat, one molecule in their body away from an eternity forever separated from Almighty God. And they don't know it. You didn't know it when you were lost. When you were out there doing your own thing, living in rebellion and rejection of God. You didn't know how close you were to an eternity forever separated from God. <laughs> you didn't know it and I didn't know it. We didn't understand it. We didn't realize it. Now there's no, you know, where we're we going to put the scales. No, the lost person is condemned already. Now, most, you know, a lot of people, when they, if they believe in God, they want to think that God's kind of an easygoing, grand, good-natured, grandfatherly being, you know. I'm a papa, and my grandchildren can get away with anything from papa, you know. I mean, my daughter used to tell me when they were little, he, she used to tell me, you know, I'd be around them, and she says, now, Daddy, don't take them to Walmart to the toy section. They don't need anything. 30 minutes later, guess where we were headed? Because they say, Papa, let's go to town. And I knew what town meant. Town was a code word for Walmart. So we'd go. Well, that's not how God is. God is a good God. He's a wonderful God. He's a loving God. He's a kind God. But he's also a God of wrath. The Bible says, behold, the goodness and the severity of God. There's an A side to God, His goodness and grace. But there's a B side to God too. Remember 45 records, the 45 RPM records? Remember that? Anybody? Okay, this is way back when. I started out on radio. We played the 45 records, you know? You'd have an A side, the side that everyone, everybody wanted to hear. You know, that was the hit side. But they had to put something on the other side. So usually the artist would have the A side. That was the hit side. And on the, on the other side of the 45, you'd have a, you know, a record that wasn't so good. Because you had to put something on the other side. I had a friend of mine in Ashburn, Georgia, when I worked at a radio station, who was a radiator man. He worked at a local automobile uh, repair shop. Well, on the back side of I'm an Oki from Muskogee. Y'all remember that song? Yeah. On the back side of that record was Radiator Man from Wasco. My friend would call me and he'd say, Hey, Chris, play that Radiator Man song. Now that was not the song anybody else wanted to hear. That was the B-side. 
But he wanted to hear the B side, not the A side. The A side of God is God's grace, mercy, love, kindness. And he is that. More than anything else, he is that. But also God is a God of judgment and a God of wrath. Now, God, God would want, wants to forgive. He sent his only son to die for us. He so desperately wanted to forgive us, he gave of himself to make our salvation possible. God desires that none perish, but all come to repentance. Ezekiel 33, 11 says that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And God offers grace and mercy and grace and mercy and grace and mercy. Today was a gift of grace to the unsaved. One more day when they would have the opportunity to be saved. Today was a gift of grace. And every day is a gift of grace and mercy and grace and mercy. And God's Spirit reaches out to them. God's Spirit reaches out to them. He is a long-suffering, kind, and compassionate God. But one day they will cross the line. God's judgment only comes when His grace has been long rejected. Y'all need to write that stuff down. Not because I came up with it, but... God's judgment only comes when His grace has been long rejected. And so, you know, I know, you know, let's see, and the longer you live in rejection, the harder your heart becomes. What you are today, you'll be more that way tomorrow. That's how you develop habits. You know, I... I I looked at myself one day. I put the same sock on every day, on my right shoe, right foot every day. So I decided one day I was going to change it up and put the left sock on first. I like to kill myself. I mean, you, you have habits. How do you develop habits? It's something you do every day. What you are today, you'll be more that way tomorrow. That's how we develop habits in our life. Well, the, it's saying the same is true spiritually. The longer you live in rejection of Christ, the easier it is to live in rejection of Christ. If you reject Christ today, it'll be just a little bit easier to reject Him tomorrow. That's, when you, that's why you study statistics of people who are saved. Most people who are saved in America are children, teenagers, and young folks. Very rarely do you find somebody who is older coming to Christ. Why? Because they have lived so long in rejection. They have come to the point where they have shut the door of their heart to Almighty God. God didn't shut that door. They did. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Because tomorrow, he'll be a little harder against God. And, and God is a God of grace. But man, you leave this world having rejected Christ and the goodness of God and the grace of God. You're going to stand before Almighty God in judgment. And so that's the bad news. Isn't that bad news? You know, the unsaved person, spiritually dead, slave to sin, an object of God's wrath, hopeless to save themselves, alienated from God. Nothing they can do to save themselves. But did you hear those two words in the verses that I read that we'll look at next week? But God. 
There we were in that condition, hopeless and helpless. But here comes God. Here comes God with his grace and mercy to save us. Thank you for joining us for our program today. Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe and may God bless you.